0: So I, I wanted to start off today by sharing a story. So I—I I don't know. Many of you probably don't know, but I spent some time in Africa uh, some years ago, and I was there for about a month. I was with a team of about eight or nine. Actually, it was about eleven people, and um, we had—we were in West Africa, and I was—we were—we were working really long hours, about eighteen-hour days, and we were there. We were traveling all over the country, um, and towards the end of our trip, it was about a month-long trip, and towards the end of the trip, I I go to our translator, our our contact, sorry, not our translator, our contact, I say, hey, um, do you mind, I I was the leader of the team, and uh, hey, do you mind if we just take like one day off? We've been working straight 30 days, almost 30 days, and do you mind right before, we're heading back to the States really soon, do you mind if we just take one day and just have it off? And So he was like, no, sure, sure, no problem, and he didn't really speak very good English, he spoke more French, and their language in west in, in Ghana where i was at is twi. They speak more twi than and, and french than, than english. But there i am trying to communicate and and, and so yeah yeah no problem. And I said, "Hey, you know, you know we're 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 only here for a few more days. We don't know when we'll be back to Africa. Is there anything you could show us that would be like awesome?" And he's like, "Oh, yes. <laughs> How about a giraffe farm?" And i was like, "A giraffe farm?" have you guys ever heard of a giraffe farm? I've never heard of a giraffe. I'm like, that would be awesome, a giraffe farm. <laughs> that sounds great. I go back and I tell the team, well, actually, I told another leader, I said, listen, let's not tell the team, let's like make it a surprise. Just tell them, bring your cameras and get ready. It's going to be awesome. But I did tell the team leader, the other team leader there, what we were going to do. All right, cool, cool. So we all squeezed into, at that, mo- at that time, we were using this really, really tight transportation, kind of like what a jitney is here in Miami. If you know what a jitney is in in little Haiti, they have these like vehicles. They squeeze as many people as you can in like these small vans. We were in one of those for the whole month, And, and so all the seats were full. The last row was full, and so me and another team member were actually in the back part where there's no seat. It's just the door that lifts up, and then that's it, that little space in between the, the back seat and the door. Not even to put luggage, you can't put anything back there. That's for me, and then we're like squeezed, but hey, we're going to a giraffe farm. We're so excited after a long day of work and a long month of work, and so we're there squeezed in, and you can hear the bustle on the team because they're really excited. They have their cameras and everything, and, and some of them are saying, oh, is that an elephant over there? I mean, we're in Africa, right? What do you think when you think about Africa? Safari, and you know, and so we're, we're oh, is that an elephant over there? Oh my gosh, is that an elephant? And we, you know, is that a white elephant? And as we would get closer, it was a two-hour ride. As we get closer, we're like, oh, no, that's an elephant. That's, that's a cloud. Oh, that's a cloud. Okay, they were just so excited to see anything they could. And, uh, and so we, we, we get closer, and I see that we turn into, we slow down. And, and by the way, it's not like paved roads, right? I mean, this is like dirt roads, bumping, bumping. It, it, was, it was pretty rough. But after that, we, we slow down, and we pull into this area, and I see a sign that says, Edgera Farms. We turn in, I'm like, all right, we get out, and I'm all like, you know, cramped up, squeezed in there, so, oh, where are we? And so the contact is really excited. Here we are, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, where are we? <laughs> like, I don't see anything here, and, and, and so he's really excited. Look, 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 and, and he starts showing us some, some like rusted out American Equipment like farming equipment like John Deere's, but like the color of rust. Everything had been an abandoned farm with rusted out American equipment, John Deere and I don't know these other. I'm not a farmer, but all that farming equipment and nobody's there. And he's like really excited. He's like, "Come take picture." I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait. I thought you said we were going to a giraffe farm." <laughs> and he's like, "Yes, you're here." I said, "Where are the giraffes?" He's like, "No, no, you're here." And then he showed me the sign. It said edgera farms (laughs) a giraffe farm it's like no so we're in a series (laughs) that we're talking uh, about the title of our series is disappointment you can imagine my disappointment to find out that we're looking at rusted out american equipment When I wanted to be looking at giraffes, I'm in Africa, and I didn't see a giraffe or an elephant or anything, and we left. Major disappointment. So we're in a mini-series today. We finished a a long nine-part series. Today, we're we're, we're, we're wrapping up a two-part series on disappointment. Last week, we talked about what happens when others disappoint us. You guys ever been disappointed by other people? Yeah, I know I have. Today, we're not just talking about when others disappoint us. Today, we're talking about when God disappoints us, when we feel like God has disappointed us, what do we do? Have you ever felt like that? I know I have. I know I have prayed before and I am in a situation I didn't. I guess disappointment kind of means like when, you, when you're expecting something and you get something far worse, right? That's like disappointment, right? You, you didn't get what you were expecting. And, and I know I have felt like that many times when I have prayed. God, why am I here? Why is this happening to me? And all I hear is crickets, <laughs> silence. I'm like, hey, I mean, I know you're busy up there and everything, running the whole world, but hey, what are you doing? Where are you? Because this is not turning out the way I thought it was supposed to turn out. <laughs> you ever been disappointed like that? I don't know everybody's story here today that's here, but I do know some of your stories. And I I know that some of us are facing some major disappointment today. Some of us are facing some disappointments uh, in our marriages. Not what we expected. Not what we were praying for. And we're asking, where are you, God? Where is God in this situation, in this situation? Life. I, I don't see you, God. Where are you? Did everybody find Hebrews 13, verse 5? Let's, let's look at that together. Hebrews 13, 5. It says here, and it's going to come up on the big screen behind me if you didn't get a chance to find it. It says, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. This is God talking, and this is a promise from God I will never leave you and I will never forsake you God is saying hey no matter what you are going through however traumatic your situation is I will never leave you and I will never forsake you huh okay but how about when we're dealing with disappointments Where's God in that? We're going to look at that today. And we're going to look start off by looking at a guy's life in the Bible named Joseph. Not Joseph, Mary and Jesus. That's next month, Christmas time. We're looking at another Joseph from the first book in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. The Joseph and you may have known about the technicolor dream coat. We're going to look at that guy Joseph, right? In the beginning of the Bible, the first book, and we're going to look at this guy's life. You know, Joseph was the youngest of eleven brothers. Brothers, eleven, the youngest, and he was the father's favorite, absolute favorite, loved by his father. His father would buy him little trinkets and toys and and give him stuff, and his other brothers would just look on in jealousy. And he kind of knew that he was the favorite, and so he would walk around as he was the favorite. And his brothers got sick of it. They got tired of looking at their younger brother who was always treated differently and favorite than them. And so they conspired and they took him and they threw him in a well, in a pit. And they threw him in this pit, in this well, and they were trying to decide what to do once they had him in this pit. Some of them said, let's kill him. One of them said, hey, well, do, there's some slave traders Coming around, why don't we sell him into slavery? And so that's what happens to Joseph. He gets sold into slavery, and he's there after he gets sold into slavery. He gets sold again. It's like a big old meat market, right? They got all the, the slaves up there, and who's bidding? And one of the richest guys in Egypt actually purchases Joseph and quickly realizes this rich guy that Joseph is kind of special, has some potential to him, and he gives him a little bit of responsibility, and Joseph completes the responsibility with flying colors, and the rich guy's like, well, I'm going to give him a little more, and gives him a little more, and and he, again, fulfills the responsibilities, and so the rich man decides, well, I'm going to just kind of promote him, and, and so he does, and gives him more, resp- and he, he again shows how good he is, and the potential he has, and, and so this rich man gives him more responsibility and more promotion and more promotion and more promotion and so joseph although he's a slave he doesn't look like a slave or talk like a slave he actually looks like an egyptian and walks like an egyptian right and he's in the past he's he's living a really nice luxurious life and, and he's, he's, you know, he's living probably better than the re- you know, 99% of the other inhabitants in Egypt at the time, but he's still a slave. But he's having a high, I mean, filet mignon, imagine it, as often as he wants, in the pools, in the gardens. He's having the time of his life. I mean, he's going to have some friends over. They're going to have a party. He just picks up the phone and calls Drake. Hey, Drake, what are you doing? Can you in future come over and sing some songs for us? I mean, it's not a big deal, right? Right, And so for him, it was just who he was. He was living the high life, but he was still a slave. And so that's what's happening in this part of his life. But then there's also this side of his life, which is um, the rich man's wife, who's noticing Joe, the biceps on (laughs) Joe. Wow, Joe's looking kind of good. And so she starts flirting with Joe and starts coming on to Joe. And Joe's not responding. She grabs Joe, and he's like, let me, leave me alone, and she grabs Joe again, leave me alone, and finally she grabs Joe really tightly, and he wrestles his way from her, and she still has his shirt, and he looks at her, shirtless now, and says, I can't do this. I can't do this to my boss, your husband, and I can't, better than that, I can't do this to God, and so he leaves, but she still has his shirt. And so she starts to feel rejected. What? I can't believe the audacity of that slave. And so she calls the police. I mean, if you've been seeing Billions, anybody been watching the TV show? It's what happens in the show. And so calls the police and tells her her side of the story. And, 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 and so they go after Joe, and they, they grab him, and they put him down, and they beat him, and they cuff him, and what do they do? They throw him in prison and there he is in prison and I'm reading the story and as I'm reading the story I have to say I took a pause right here and I said where is God in all this a guy who who was trying to do right you ever been there you're trying to do right you're trying to honor God you're trying to live in a way that is you know displays your commitment to who he is and yet it doesn't get better for him it gets horribly, terribly worse. In prison, that's almost as bad as it can get. He's in prison. Where is God? Well, let's, let's read the story here. Where is God? In Genesis 39, the story keeps going, and this is where we learn where God is. And it's going to come up on the big screen, verse, 30, verse 20 in chapter 39. It says, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. So in case you guys missed, so God was with Joseph in prison. Let's keep reading. And he showed he, meaning God, showed him, meaning Joseph. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. So again you start seeing Joseph just like with the rich man's wife with the rich man right he he he's a slave there and he gets given a little bit of responsibility keeps flying you know uh, just showing just fulfilling all the responsibilities and he gets keeps getting promotion after promotion here he is again in prison getting promotion after promotion even though he's a prisoner and it says there that the The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care. And so the the question, again, is the title of the talk today, is where's God? The answer is right here in this verse. Let's let's look at it there. The verse says, uh, here we go. Because the Lord was with Joseph. So I would love for my DV family, that's all of you, to say this with me. You ready? That the Lord was with Joseph on the count of three. You ready? One, two, three. The Lord was with Joseph. Okay, one more time. The Lord was with Joseph. That's the last line, right? On the verse there. The Lord was with Joseph. It should be a capital L. We'll get that on the next one. The Lord's with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So here's the thing. God was with him. God was present in Joseph's predicament. God was with Joseph in his pain, in his situation, in his disappointment. God was there. See, a lot of us think that, you know, we're, we're, we might be in debt and we're praying, God, would you help us pay all of our bills? If you pay all of our bills and help us get out of a debt, then I know that you're with me. If you do this miracle in my life, then I know, God, that you're like fighting my battles, God. If, 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 if my marriage is struggling and, and, and I need a miracle, you just show up and boom, you, you do this miracle. Then I know, God, that you're with me. But that's not what the passage in this story says. It's not what the passage in this story says. The passage in this story says that God was with Joseph in a totally different way. He says he doesn't take the pain away. Instead, where is he? He's with him in his pain right in the middle of where Joseph is. He moves in with Joseph in the pain in the feelings of abandonment, in the feelings of rejection, in the, the he moves in with, with even the false accusations. He moves in. Joseph is right there. God is with him, moves into the prison with him. He doesn't remove the pain, but instead he, he picks Joseph up uh, above the pain, picks him up so that the, the situation... He is not, He's not dictated by, by the situation that is around him. He, he's able to pick Joseph above the pain so, so his life is not ruled by the things that are going on around him, the pain in his life. Can someone say yes? yes. So if you're taking notes, the very first point on where is God, we're going to answer that question. Where is God? He's right there with you. Number one, he is present in our pain. And like I said earlier, I don't know all of the situations here today, but I know some, many actually, of the situations in your lives because you have shared with me and, I, and, and I've learned it. And I want to tell you today that, that He is with you. Maybe you're here today and I don't know your story. Maybe you're, you're, you're going through abandonment. You're, you're feeling abandoned. Maybe by, your, by, by God, you're feeling disappointed by God. Where is God? Maybe you're feeling abandoned by your friends or your family or maybe in your marriage, you're feeling abandoned in your marriage. Maybe you're feeling like you're a victim. You're you're a victim of gossip. People are always talking bad about you. Maybe you're you're feeling like you're uh, a victim in your physical health. You're, You're limited in your physical health. Maybe you've been abused. You've been verbally abused by your dad and you're you're in that pain maybe you've been physically abused by someone or sexually abused and there is a lot of pain there's a lot of disappointment i want you to know today that god is present in your pain it may seem like he's silent it may seem like he is not there but he is i want us to re- i want to remind us what that first verse we read in hebrews thirteen five it says i will never leave you and i will never forsake you god is present in our pain and so what happens to our boy joseph let's look at his story so joseph is here in prison and what happens the president of egypt the pharaoh comes and visits joseph in prison says hey joe I hear you can interpret dreams. And Joel's like, I can't. He said, no, no, I hear you can interpret dreams. I have a dream. He said, I, I, I can't, but my God can. Tell me your dream and I'll talk to God and I'll see what I got, see what he says, and I'll let you know. And so the, the, the president of Egypt tells him his dream and Joseph says, all right, I, I know what it is. He says, you're gonna have seven years of prosperity, seven years of bling, seven years of good stuff happening. Seven years of increase, it's going to be good for seven years, but then you're going to have seven years of, of, of famine, seven years of, of, of obscurity, seven years of, of ghetto living, seven years of not ever having enough, of wishing you had more, but not having enough, and so that's what's going to happen, and so the president of Egypt is, oh really, okay, well if it's like that, Man, I don't even know what to do to how to get ready for those seven years. I'm glad we're going to have these good seven years, but I don't know how to get ready for these not-so-good seven years. So, hey, Joe, can you help us out? Can you get us ready? And all of a sudden, Joe, who's in prison, gets released from prison and gets put (laughs) in a position to become the most powerful man in the country of Egypt, from the prison to the palace. And what does he do? He starts signing his contracts, his new job description. He's negotiating this contract with the president. He write in what you need. I just need to get ready for these seven years. And Joseph's got a new job. And then he starts, you know, Working collaborating with these farmers right and these agricultural to try to help, you know Gather as much as they can for these seven years and then you know these other seven years. He'll he'll have a Have enough and so as these strategic partnerships and everybody's working together and and seven years of prosperity go and it's great Living the bling then all of a sudden is over and here comes the ghetto living right, but they're ready Joseph is ready, and Egypt is ready, and so they're, they're, they're trying to, the, the famine hits, and, and people are hungry, and so where do they go, they go to the president of Egypt, they go to the palace, and, and so there they are in the feeding line, and, and Joe's in there, feeding as well, just like we did last Thursday for Thanksgiving. There was a group, a big group of us here from our church who went to go feed the homeless and we had a feeding line and we were feeding, putting some food together. It was pretty fun. Thank you for those of you who came out. And so so that's what Joe is doing. He's there over there putting some some food and helping. All of a sudden he sees a familiar face. Hey, I kinda know you. I don't know where, I don't know where I know you from, but you look familiar the guy goes, and he's putting more food on, he says, man, I know you too, I know both of you guys, you guys both look familiar, I don't know where, but you guys look familiar, anyways, the next guy goes, wait a second, I know these guys, these three guys, they all look familiar, I've seen these guys somewhere, but I can't put my, I know who these guys are, and the next one, and the next one, and the next, these are my brothers, who sold me out 13 years ago, and put me into slavery. I know who these guys are. But they don't recognize him. And so he starts talking to them. And he's, and he's just, hey, so you guys look like your family. You guys family? Yeah, we're family. How many of you guys are there? Oh, well, we were 11. Oh, really? What, what? Really? Your mom and dad's still alive? Yeah, yeah. Your dad's alive? Yeah, your dad's alive. Okay, good. You said you were 11. What happened? Oh, well, we lost one. Oh, Really? what happened, oh, a pack of wolves came and ate them, (laughs) Joe's like, oh, that's the story we're telling everybody now, huh, a pack of wolves, okay, and he looks at the brothers, and he says, hey, you guys go to that room over here, go to this room over here, and they know who he is, powerful man in charge, they know who he is, and they're like, wow, if he says to go over there, we're gonna go, so he goes, they go over there, and he goes into, the scriptures say, his inner chamber, and he just falls to his knees, and starts to weep. This is a powerful passage. If you guys get a chance to read it, it it, it always fills me with a lot of emotion. And so he's there and he's praying and he's crying and he's not sure what to do because these guys were responsible for a lot of the disappointment that he's had in his life. And so he's there and let's pick up the story in Genesis chapter 50. And says, his brothers came and threw themselves down before him. So he leaves his inner chamber, he calls the guys over, and he tells them who he is. He says, hey, you guys, I'm your brother, the one that you thought, the one that you said. Ain't no wolves, you know it's me, it's Joseph, I'm here. And the brothers are freaking out, they're not sure what to do. I just want to say, I probably wouldn't be able to be Joseph at this point. If I look at them, I see them, and I see that they're wanting something from me after everything. I don't know if I could be Joseph. What Joseph did, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could be what Joseph did. I mean, just, yeah, come over here. I'm gonna tell you who I am. I'm Joseph. And the brothers are scared. They don't know what, they think they're gonna die. They're gonna be slaves. Look at what the scripture says. His brothers came and threw themselves down before him. And they said, we are your slaves. I just wanna say, I'd be thinking, you darn right, you are my slaves. You're going to be my slaves right now. But he says, Joseph said to them, and this is awesome right here. He says, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? He says, right? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. Basically, Joseph's looking at them, and he's saying, look, look, get up, get up, get up. You're on your knees, slobbering and crying. Just get up, get up, get up. I'm not God. I'm not God, all right? What, what you guys meant to do harm for me, God meant it for good. He turned it all around. Let's look at what the scripture says there. I'll read it again. It says, what, what you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And so the point here, number one is that God is present in your pain. Number two is that there is a purpose for our pain. See, you meant to harm me, but God worked it all out for me. God had a purpose in Joseph's pain. And I want you to just think this through with me if you would, please. See, if, if the brothers hadn't thrown him into the pit, I'm hearing a little echo. Do you hear that, Kaylee? I'm hearing a little echo as I'm talking. Um, And so if the brothers hadn't thrown him into the pit, right, then he would have never been sold into slavery. And then if he wasn't sold into slavery, then he would have never ended up as the rich man's slave. And then if he wouldn't have ended up as the rich man's slave, he wouldn't have gone into prison. And then the president of Egypt would have never gone to meet him. And then he would have never become the... Strongest, most powerful man in the country. Then he would have never been able to help so many people. He wouldn't have never been able to help his brothers. Their their salvation wouldn't have been able to feed the, them. It, it was all had a purpose. You guys see that? They all it all had a purpose. It's it, it, you might be here and you might say, "Well, I but I don't see the purpose in my pain." Even though God had orchestrated all of this for Joseph, I don't see how it makes any sense for me. The things that I've gone through are so traumatic. Even right now, I can't see what purpose could there be. I want to draw your attention to a scripture passage in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 28. And it says that God works all things for good for those that love him and are called to his purpose. Listen, Darrell Vineyard family. I, I, I want you to know that God has a purpose in our pain. I want you to know that when God created you, He created you with a divine purpose. It wasn't just so you would exist, go to work, come home, go to sleep, wake up, exist, go to work. Come. No, there is a higher purpose for your call, for your life. God has a purpose for you. It's a God-sized purpose for you. It's big, and it's going to take all of the pain that you've experienced. It's going to take all of the suffering, all of the trauma in your life, and He's going to turn it all around for good because there's a purpose in your pain. God never wastes a hurt. Right now, I want you to meet a young lady who has impacted my life. She is part of our Doral Vineyard Church, and she's someone that understands what it means to have a purpose in her pain. So, Samara, would you come on up and share with us for a few moments? I'm looking for your mic. Yeah, you can give her a hand. You can stand right here or come up here however you want. You.
1: Um, I just recently, I felt probably for the first time, I was a little bit it 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 hurts me to say that i was angry at god <laughs> but um just a little bit it didn't last long um but i was a little disappointed i felt disappointment because because i might not be where i i wanted to be you know sometimes you make all these plans and have all these ideas for your life um, um getting to that age i'm still young but i'm getting to that age that wow well, i there's so much that i still want to do or I wanted to have more kids. I wanted to get married, all those things. And it, uh, the disappointment comes upon you. Um, but I wanted to share to share some hope. Um, when I was 25 years old, I got pregnant. Um, I wasn't married. And my son's father, he was six years younger than me, so he was 19. So just with that, I, I felt like I was ruining his life. Um, then Nathan, but he was, he, was, he was able to, he was an amazing, even though he was young, um, he took care of us the whole way. He was very responsible. He was, he's a great father. Um, so when Nathan was born, uh, he was born 37 weeks. And all, all through my pregnancy, everything was fine. Then 30 minutes after Nathan was born, a doctor, the pediatrician from the hospital, came to, came to us. I was still a little bit on um, the influence of the epidermal, um, so I was a little bit out of it. But the doctor said that your son may have s- um, some characteristics of a child with Down syndrome. I didn't know much about Down syndrome. The only thing is w- was that they were, they were very loving, lo- very loving and affectionate, but I didn't know much about kids with Down syndrome. Um, that was when he was born. He actually has to stay, had to stay long in the hospital because he was born jaundice, so he was a little bit yellow. So he needed to stay four days extra. Um, they had to, d- they have to give him like the, the ultralights. That's why he has his eyes covered. That was extremely hard. Um, but going back, okay, so he was born. Uh, so 30 minutes, the doctor says that they had to do a chromosome test. They have to check his heart. Um, so after the chromosome came, the results came through they checked his heart. He was born with three holes, um, and the doctor said with the hope of them closing. So they didn't want to operate his heart yet because a lot of times the holes, they close by themselves. So they wanted to wait on that. Um, then the test came back from the for the chromosome test, and it came out positive for Trisomy 21, which is Down syndrome. So he was born with an extra chromosome. So right away, all the plans that you have, all these ideas that you have for your for your child, it was it, it like crumbled. Um, it took me it took me a few days to to realize what was happening. I was like in a state of shock. I still remember like it was yesterday. Um, one of my best friends here, in Miami. That was the first time I cried actually when she came to visit me. I went to the bathroom. She took me to the bathroom. She knew something was wrong and I finally let it out. I cried and I cried and I cried because I, I, it wasn't because I wasn't upset at God. Um, I just didn't understand why God would give me a child that needs so much, um, you know, a, special, a child with special needs that has different challenges because I needed help myself. I didn't think I was capable. I didn't think I was I would be able to take care of him i was petrified i was extremely scared so i and i cried and i cried but you know um, even though i it didn't have the relationship that I, ha- I have now with jesus with god i knew somehow that i just okay this is what i have to deal with this is this is my life okay let's 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 get up and and keep moving let's see what can i i'm going to do my best i'm going to try my best i, d- I didn't want to give up um so then uh what happened next. So then the cardiologist came to us and told us that um, Nathan had uh, three holes. Um, I met amazing doctors. One thing that I'm so grateful to God is the, the doctors that he has sent for Nathan. The, my, my friends have been such a, a strong, um, strong people in my life. that have given me so much um, strength and courage and refuge. My family, I'm so grateful to my family. I could not do it without them. Um, They gave me so much support after Nathan was born, um, giving me information about kids with Down syndrome, a lot of resource. I got a lot of resource. um, So I'm so grateful for that. So what I'm trying to say is there's so much hope. God has given me so so much grace, so much mercy. And I have that hope because because I know him, because we have him in our life. I know that, that I'm not where I want to be. I know that Nathan is not where he, he, should, he could be. But I still have hope, something that I cannot let go of, especially now more than ever, now that I, I know of his grace, love, and mercy. I cannot let go of God, because he is all that I have. He is all that I have. You know, through life, you go through so many disappointments, I remember every time when when Nathan went to school and all those tests and all those evaluations, I cried every single time because of the scores, because of the numbers. Um, And then I, I, I started to compare him with other kids, even with kids with Down syndrome. I started comparing. And, you know, God was trying to tell me, don't do that. You know, and every single time I felt hopeless or I felt alone being a single mother, he somehow, he showed me through a song, through Nathan, he showed me, you're not alone. You will never be alone. Because we, ha- we, are, we are, I am there with you. I'm with Nathan. And I'm just, I've just been so overwhelmed through my journey with Nathan has been, I truly believe that God has blessed me with this child. And I don't know what I did. There was one day he, he he Nathan got sick, and he pinned me down. He's very strong. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure a lot of you have, have noticed that when he hugs you. He pinned me down, and I just stared at his eyes. And I just felt so much overwhelming and so much um, joy and, and sadness because I just couldn't. I, I asked God, wow, like, what did I do? What must I have done to deserve such an amazing gift? Such an amazing son. I didn't do anything. I didn't deserve Nathan. I sure didn't. But still, God blessed me with him. He chose me for a reason. You know, sometimes we, we lose track and we lose focus of that. We, there's nothing impossible for God. And anything that's meant for bad, God can turn it around. And I believe that's what he did with me. I was lost I was full of sin. I didn't deserve anything good. But yet God has turned things around. And might be letting him, letting him just do what you want, you know, break me, use me, mold me. Because we are all a work in progress, right? It's a daily thing. It's it's not one day to another. It's I mean it's been Nathan's twelve now. But I just I just I just want to share that that with you that we have this hope. I have this hope that and I will not let go of God. I will not let go of Jesus because I know that he knows what is best for Nathan. He knows what is best for me. So even if it's on days that I feel like I'm hanging on by a thread, I still hold on to God because I know that what he has for us is good. It's good and it's worth it and, and it's So just keep holding on. I don't know what you're going through in your life, but just keep holding on to God because he's not going to let go of you ever, 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 ever. (laughs) So thank you so much. (laughs) Yes.
0: Awesome. Great job. Yeah, isn't that awesome that it was a lot of times we think that, you know it just it has to come out a certain way but you know if you look back at her life like we did with joseph you look back if it wasn't for nathan <clears throat> she would have never found the doral vineyard she would have never got saved she would never have been the children's director at our church loving my kids loving your kids she would have never been able to do that and so we look at her life and we see how god had been orchestrating everything from the beginning and i i just believe that some of you here today, because of her story, you're going to put your trust in God. Because of what God did in her life, he, you know, it's a miracle. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And God wants to do the same in your life. So would you bow your heads today? I want to pray for us. And I want you to remember that the God has, <clears throat> there's a God-sized purpose for your life And in the middle of your pain, God has a God-sized purpose in it.